So when my older brother Luke's friend Brock invited me to church, I was a regular 15-year-old kid. I wasn't a pastor. I was the person that answered the door to let my brother's friend in, and when he invited me to church, what I didn't feel like I could say on video was my response was a few curse words and to walk away and over my shoulder yell, the only time I'm going to be in church more than once in a week, because my parents were very religious, is if I am unfortunate enough to die after I've had to go on Sunday and my funeral ends up in the same week. That was the part I didn't feel like I could say on the video. And now, because someone invited me, here I am. Like seven days a week, pretty much. And what statistically we have learned, there's a, a research group that has interviewed tens of thousands of Americans through the decades, but has recently published a brand new study in the last three years that says that 85% of people would go to church if someone they personally knew just invited them. And I find that to be fascinating, but just out of curiosity, how many of you came to church for the first time because someone invited you? That could have been your parents, your grandparents, right? Someone that's well over half of this room came to church for the very first time because someone invited you. Let me push this a little bit further. How many of you don't come to church on a random Tuesday simply because you know a certain friend of yours who also goes to church is not going to be here that Tuesday night? Be honest. You know a certain friend that you hang out with and makes you feel comfortable is not here on a certain Tuesday night, so you don't go. I feel like a lot of us felt like we couldn't quite raise our hands. But the truth is that people come to church predominantly because of social relationships, because they have a friend to sit with, because they're excited to talk about their life with a person that they're connected with, or because someone simply invited them. And the main reason Americans come back to church is for those relationships. And yes, at, over time, God becomes the most significant relationship we have at church as well, but it's all connected. I don't know what my life would be like if it wasn't for Brock, the random friend of my older brother, making an invitation and being, quite frankly, a little bit pushy and a little bit cocky and a little bit overconfident about what was gonna happen the other part I felt like I couldn't say in the video was that the reason my coach said he was going to bench me if I didn't go to church was that he was a pastor's kid and he was out drinking and partying all the time and blowing off God and he was afraid God would get mad at him even more if he didn't make me go to church somehow. <laughs> Not sure what that was all about, but God bless you, Mark. Um, the Bible tells us that there's this partnership that happens between the Holy Spirit and us. That the Holy Spirit of God works together with regular people like us to bring people into relationship with God. While we're thinking, hey, should I invite my cousin or my teammate or my random friend to come hang out with me at church, that God's Holy Spirit is out there working from the inside of that person 
bringing their life events, bringing their circumstances, bringing this aching and this longing to know God. And so the Holy Spirit's doing that while we are doing our part, which is talking to people and inviting people to know God. And that can be an incredibly overwhelming thing at first because there's a lot of things that do not work to draw people into relationship with God. We are all very familiar with people sucking at inviting people to church or inviting people to know God. For example, things that do not work include giant social media arguments about how God is awesome and how whatever they believe or think is not awesome. Okay, we need to stop doing that as a people group of believers in Jesus because it looks stupid and it doesn't work. So sometimes when we start talking about, hey, we should talk to people about Jesus, all of a sudden these like things that don't work come to our mind and block us because we don't want to look like that or be perceived like that. So social media rants, totally ineffective. Not suggesting those. Other things that don't work is like random conversations with total strangers where you're confronting them or, or debating them it, it, some truth about God. If the Holy Spirit tells you to do it, then you should do it. But, but usually the most effective way is not to approach a stranger when it comes to asking them about their relationship with God. The most... In, Usually, the most effective way is to have a relationship with that person. For it to be a brother, a sister, a cousin, a teammate, someone that you have invested some time in who, who has a vested interest in recognizing that you actually truly care about them as a person. If they know you care, they're much more likely to care about what you are going to say. Another thing that doesn't usually work is huge debates and intellectual arguments, listing all kinds of facts about things. People typically don't respond very well to that. And also the, the idea of having to do that is overwhelming. It's daunting. Like I have to memorize some kind of college thesis to talk about God and be effective so people tend to freak out about it. So those are the things that I don't think really work. But what, what does work is when you are friends with or care about a person, you simply talking to them about something you care about in a very normal, conversational way. Put together three thoughts. Three things that work together to bring people to know God. Number one, pray for the person. And pray for the situation that you're gonna invite them in. Just take a moment and say like, God help that person today. God, give me wisdom, give me things to say. Help me to, to bring it up to them in a way that's gonna help them. Help me to have the right timing so I'm not like talking about God when they have to pee and they're gonna wet themselves. Like, help bring, like we should pray for them and pray for the circumstances before we try to do anything. Because if we don't, it's gonna be pretty off-putting instead of something that they're interested in responding to. It's a quick, simple point, but praying for that person and praying for that invitation is really important. The second thing we have to do is we have to learn to tell our own story. People typically don't want a whole bunch of facts about God. They don't really care yet. Most people who have questions about spirituality, they want to know the story of a person they care about. So if God has affected you in your life, one thing you should do is figure out how do I, how can I tell my story, my own personal story? 
Because debates and arguments about moral issues, they're just not going to be effective. But inviting someone to come and see God or encounter God for themselves like you have is very effective. And so every believer, I believe, should get in their brain a way to explain Jesus to others. And it's simply this. There's some cards in the middle of your table. They're blue and there's also markers. And you should grab one because not to take notes on the profound things I'm saying. But I want you to jot down some of your own thoughts in in the following three-step format. It's going to say... The first thing I want you to write down is I want you to put some thought into this question. Who was I before I met Jesus, okay? That's the first thing. So just make like a bullet point on the top and then just jot down a thought. Like before I met Jesus, I felt empty or lonely or angry or whatever. Whatever is true for you. Don't put something that sounds convenient. And the more details you can get your mind of, the more specific you can be for yourself, the easier it will be to be natural when you talk about this. So before I met Jesus, I, whatever that was. For me, before I met Jesus, I was absolutely obsessed with soccer and I was very angry. That was my story before Christ. But what was, what was your story? I want you to put a little bit of thought into that and jot that concept down. The second question is, I met Jesus by. So how did it come that Jesus became significant to you? You might say, I met Jesus because my mom talked to me about him ever since I was little, and I realized I needed Jesus too. Your story might be, I met Jesus at desperation or conference or O2 or some events. Your story might be, I met Jesus just because I came to 4640 a lot, And I ended up listening a lot. Whatever your story is, figure out how to explain it to someone efficiently. And then thirdly, your third bullet point should be, after Jesus became a part of my life, I'm different because. Just something that you can kind of explain how you're different. And we're just going to take a couple minutes for you guys to jot those answers down. And this card is for yourself. You're not going to have to share with anyone in this room tonight. You don't have to turn it in. We just want you to put your brain around the story that you might be sharing with other individuals. The idea of sharing your own specific story, your own detailed story, is that it's incredibly disarming. It's not up for debate or discussion. It's simply your own story. Everyone has the right to their own story. So if this story of your life can be something you're comfortable telling, that you maybe practice a little bit when you're driving in your car to school by yourself, you just get used to letting your story roll off your tongue, what it's going to do is neutralize the debate. Because this is what people often try to do. When they find out that you're a Christian and you have a relationship with God, a lot of times people do a debate thing with you. They try to bring you their issues and they try to get you to argue and have this, this big thing. Well, if God is so good, why, why is there war? If God is so good, why is there childhood cancer? And one of the most effective ways to change the conversation is just to take it back to Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to a guy in the Bible in John chapter 9. He was born blind. And he's standing there and Jesus and his disciples walk by him And the disciples just kind of awkwardly call him out. 
They're like, hey, that guy over there who's obviously blind, this is way before people were in any way politically correct. Why is he blind? Is it his own fault or did his parents sin? That was the question asked publicly for everyone. And Jesus says, mm, neither of those. It's not because he sinned or his parents sinned. Like, what a narrow view. So Jesus kind of confronts that and he says, the reason the dude is born blind is so that God can show his power. So then he calls the blind guy over and someone brings him to Jesus and Jesus kind of bends down and straight up spits. Hoxalugi in some dirt. Mixes it with his hands. This is very middle school. And applies the spit booger mess to the man's eyes and prays to God and asks for his eyes to be opened. The man then goes and washes his eyes out because they are now full of dirt. Thank you for that, Jesus. And the, the suddenly the, the man is unblind. He can see perfectly. And everyone begins arguing. Immediately, no one just asks the dude his story, but they all start to argue. Was that the same guy that was born blind that was like begging on this? Is that him? I don't think it was him. I don't know if it was him. Was it him? I think it was him. They're like arguing amongst themselves. And finally the guy goes, hey, I was blind. I'm not deaf. I can hear you. And yes, I am that guy. And yes, I was born blind. And then everybody gets religious. They start debating as to whether or not it was appropriate for Jesus to spit in the mud on the Sunday of the week, the Sabbath where it was holy and sacred and no one should dare work by mixing mud with spit to heal people. How inappropriate. Certainly Jesus healed someone in a wrong manner. So they begin this theological argument and they drag the unblind guy in front of like a religious jury to try to convict the guy and convict Jesus of working on the Sabbath. And they call in the guy's parents and like, are you sure that's your son who was born blind? Do you promise he, and the parents are like, I don't know what happened to him, but yeah, that's our kid. And yeah, he's been blind his whole life. He's a grown man. Ask him yourself. And so the son's like, yes, everybody. Hello. I don't know who Jesus is entirely. All I know is this. Once I was blind and now I can see. And that settles the debate. And that same style, that same technique is something we need to remember. We don't have to know every fact about Jesus to be worthy of sharing our relationship with him. What we have to do is tell our story. Once I was mad and obsessed with soccer and felt empty inside. And then some crazy guy named Brock invited me to church and I understood what Jesus did for me. And now my life is completely different. I feel at peace. I feel joy. I feel purpose in my life. And I don't care so much about soccer anymore. But we have to get comfortable with our own story because we're never, we can, we can study and we can win those debates. But that's not what people's hearts are really asking. People's hearts aren't asking, can you name facts about Jesus? Their hearts are asking, why do you believe? And how has your belief actually affected your life? And so rather than having big debates and memorizing facts, you can do that later. The best thing to do is say, I was blind, but now I see. And then to say, why don't you come and see for yourself? And this is exactly what happened in John chapter 1, picking it up in verse 35. It says, then one day John, meaning John the Baptist dude, 
John was back at his post with two disciples who were watching. He looked up and he saw Jesus walking nearby and he said, here he is, God's Passover lamb, which is super deep. I'll talk about that some other day. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those two who heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was to find his own brother, Simon, telling him, we have found the Messiah, which is a fancy word for God, Jesus, the Christ, the Savior. We have found the Savior. And he immediately led him, his brother, to Jesus. So the guy's initial instinct was to, I just found Jesus. I need to find someone else who hasn't found Jesus, and I need to tell him what I found. Don't know all the answers yet, but just need to tell someone. The verse goes on, it says, then the next day, Jesus ran across Philip and said, hey, come follow me. And Philip went out and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, the one preached about by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. Nathanael said, Nazareth? you got to be kidding. It's like, rangely, you got to be kidding. They're talking about, like, Nazareth as this, like, plate, like, he's from Mac? Are you kidding me? There's nothing good in, love you, Braden. nothing good in Mac. Like, it, they're just, just ripping on it, right? Are you kidding me? He's from, ri-. just, that's what it's about. And Philip said, he doesn't argue, he doesn't argue whether Rangely or Mac or Nazareth is, he just says, but Philip said, come see for yourself. When Jesus saw him coming, he said of Nathanael, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Nathanael said, where'd you get that idea? You don't even know me. And Jesus said, one day, long before Philip called you, I saw you under a fig tree. Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God, the king of all Israel. So here we find two guys, two men, Andrew and later Philip, who meet Jesus in an authentic way. And their immediate response is to think, who is in my life that I know that I am in relationship with, friends, brother, cousin, teammate, who do I have in my life that doesn't have a relationship with this guy Jesus I just met? Because whoever that is, I gotta go to them and tell them so that they can come and see for themselves. I'm not going to get into a fight. I'm not going to debate at all. I'm just going to say, come and see. And that's the third point. Once, once you've prayed for someone and prayed about that invitation, and, and once you've figured out how to share with them your personal story, the third thing you do is you, you bring them. And by bring them, I mean pick them up. Or arrange to have your parent pick them up or your sibling pick them up. But get them here. Offer them food. Offer them a ride. Whatever you have to do. Because you know what? It sucks to be the new person, right? Like nobody wants to be the kid that comes into school in the middle of the school year who knows no one. Nobody wants to join the team a month after practice has started. Nobody wants to be the guy trying to audition for marching band, Mincy. Nobody wants to be that new person because it is socially uncomfortable and no one wants to do it. And so if we say to someone, hey, come to, you know, come to 4640, come hang out at church, that is like 
socially impossible for 98% of the world. But if we say, hey, I'm, can I pick you up? We're going to swing by Chick-fil-A, grab a bunch of chicken nuggets, then we're going to head over to 4640, and, and we can hang out the whole night, and you can kind of get a feel for it. I'm not going to ditch you, I promise. By bringing someone, it's a whole different ballgame socially. And that research group I was telling you about earlier, George Barner Research Group, that did the survey of tens of thousands of American people, asked people this question. Do you feel it is socially appropriate to show up uninvited at a church? Unchurched people asked that question. 87% of people said no. And when asked to give an example, what does showing up at church, what is that socially like? Showing up at church without a specific invitation. They said it's about the same as crashing a stranger's wedding. Or going to a country club and walking in without a member to escort you in. Like 87% of people that do not go to church do not think you can visit a church for casual reasons yourself. They think it is a club of some kind where you need a personal invitation. We who go to church regularly, we know that's completely untrue, but it doesn't change how intimidating it feels for someone to be in that position. And so you and I, as these Christ followers who know that this isn't a club, that this is God's house, and that Everyone is welcome no matter where they are in their search for God. We have to be the one that gets awkward or uncomfortable so that they don't have to be awkward or uncomfortable. We have to go out of our way and say, I know if I invite this person, I probably won't stay in small group. It'll, and that's going to be a bummer for me. But them hearing about God is more important than my comfort. I know it's going to cost a little bit more of my spending money to buy their Chick-fil-A. So they'll come with me to church. But... Of course, their comfort is more significant. And so you and I have this responsibility to reach out. And that's why this fall, 4640 and all of Fellowship Church is launching this campaign, which is basically where we're going to talk about inviting people all the time. Because 4640 doesn't grow because Joe and the band sing this awesome new song, and it's so loud that people at your school hear it and must come running like zombies to attend church. That's not how we grow. It's not because Will comes up with this ridiculous skit and it's so funny and everyone comes because they hear us laughing in our little clubhouse. And it's not because Jeremy comes up with something awesome and posts it on social media and it gets a million likes and everybody follows and shares. No. The reason people come to church is because someone who already comes invites them, prays for them, tells them their story, and ultimately brings them the first several times they come. How does 4640 grow? When we, regular people, do those things. So if you have room on your card, I'd like you to grab your blue card again. If you still have room, great. If you need another card, there should be extras in the middle or around the room. And what I'd like you to do is take a minute and pray about who are some specific people in your life that you know, not strangers, but actual people you know that you have a relationship with that you know don't know God, and you would like to invite them. You don't have to do it this week. There's not some big special thing coming up until late October, but just 
Sometime in the next couple months, you're going to be praying for an opportunity and making a simple invitation to them to come to church with you. Tell them in your story, find them Chick-fil-A, doing what you got to do to bring them with you. And I want you to literally write down a name or two names or three names. My junior year of high school, I made it my goal to bring every single one of my teammates on the girls' varsity team for Green Bay West High School. That was my goal for the whole season. And almost every one of those girls accepted Christ by the end of the school year. But what what's goal is God putting on your heart? Who are those specific names? Because I think once we think of them, once we write them down, we're a lot more likely to follow through. Jot down a couple names. Also on your tables are these invite and ignite. I guess the fancy word for them is window clings. And I'm not really sure what window we're supposed to put them on, but they can go on a mirror, the rear view mirror of your car. They can go on your mirror in the bathroom, girls. They can go, I've had one on a water bottle that I've run through the dishwasher. It still hasn't fallen off. It can go on your laptop. They peel on and off. And the idea behind this is to put it somewhere to remind yourself that you are the reason people come to church, that your prayer for them, your storytelling to them about your own life and your bringing them is what causes most people to feel as if they would be welcome at church. So you want to put this somewhere that you're going to see it on a regular daily basis. And when you see it, let it first trigger your brain to be like, I'm going to pray for those people whose names I just wrote down. And then when you see it, ask God, give me a chance today to talk to one or more of those people to tell them my story. Ask God to set up the timing for a chance to invite them. So I want you guys each to grab one or a couple of these that are on your table so that can be a long-term thing for you. The goal with this invite and ignite thing is we are literally going to be talking about it a little bit every week from now until Christmas. And so if you have a story of how you came to church for the first time because you, in, you were invited by someone, or if you have a story of how you invited someone and you and your friend is still coming and you want to do it together, we would love as one of the 4640 pastors to hear your story. We'd help you make a video. Jeremy would help you make a video of those or whatever we got to do so that your story can be told about how inviting people has changed your life. Let's pray together. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful that you, by your Holy Spirit, invited each of us into relationship with you. God, we don't know where we'd be without you, and we thank you for your spirit reaching us. We thank you for what you did, Jesus, on the cross. And we think of the little stories we wrote down of our own lives, and we're so grateful for the process you used to lead us to you. God, we pray in Jesus' name for the names of each one of these friends or family members that we wrote down on our card. God, give us the right opportunity to share with them our story. Give us the right moment to bring them to church. God, we give them to you. We love them. That's why we wrote them down. We don't judge them. That's not why we put their names down. We, we did it because we care. And God, help that to shine through in their lives as we share our stories with them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.